0: I'm Pastor Bob. I want to visit with you today about the life of discipleship. We are on this journey together, this spiritual life journey, this understanding of going deeper in our faith. And last week we started out by talking about recognizing God, seeing God in our life, maybe having serendipitous moments. But coming to this reality of, oh my gosh, Jesus is who He says He is. And how do we come into faith in Christ? Well, today we're talking about something that's building on that, that understanding of we're entering into this life of discipleship. And it it isn't easy. It is is not an easy way in which to even find, let alone follow. Jesus spoke to this. When you look at the Gospel of Matthew, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 13 and 14. So Jesus says these words, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now, notice the first thing Jesus says is that there's a broad way. Uh, There's a way in which most people go. There's a way of destruction. There's the highway to hell, whatever you want to call it. But it's really a wide swath of a path. And he contrasts that to this narrow gate. And it's almost like you've got to be looking for it because you could miss it. And it's one thing to go through the narrow gate. It's even another thing to keep on the path once you find it. So how do you decide the path of faith? How do you decide if you want to be a disciple? How do you know if you're on track? What's your criteria? Many people look at uh, faith as kind of like a cafeteria plan. You know, maybe it's like choosing your health insurance, okay? Okay. I've got a different plan than you probably do because of my age and my age factors and I'm married and I don't have any children at home, but we, we do this, don't we? And, and, and for good reason. We choose a cafeteria plan. We have a la carte in terms of where we go and eat. We, we enjoy those options. And oftentimes, we, we can think of faith as kind of like, okay, I, I guess I'm just going to kind of pick and choose where where it works for me, right? Is is that the way it works? Or is it uh, kind of like what's trending now? What's popular? Is it a new fad? Is it kind of like a kaleidoscope? That you shake up the... the uh, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a new pattern, and you get a new color, and it's whatever, you know? Trips your trigger... Uh, makes your heart want to sing, whatever, whatever resonates, gets your juices flowing. Is that, is that the way this all works? You know, one of the things I love about the millennial generation uh, and younger people today is your emphasis upon tolerance and your emphasis upon justice and not wanting to give up with that. You know, my struggle with, with uh, some of uh, those views is that can you not be a justice person and be tolerant of all people, but do we have to believe that all opinions and all options are equally valuable? Or that all truth is relative? Because if we have to, man, I struggle with that. i got to be honest. I love the opening lines of the movie Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, where it says, the world has changed. I feel it in the water, I feel it in the earth, I smell it in the air, much that once was is lost. And and what I'm sensing in my spirit, in my heart, As I go through life, and as I've been following Jesus for a long time, I I sense that in our culture, in our world, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here today, but much of what once was is lost. I sense it's just harder. I just think it's harder to be a a follower of Jesus today and and get our bearings and and know uh, where this pathway is and, and how to stay on it than it has ever been. So today, maybe you're a maybe you're a new Christian or maybe you're someone that's re-engaging in your faith or or maybe you're just really starting to take your faith seriously. How do you decide? How do you get started? How do you know if you're on track? That's what we want to talk about today. I had an eye examination uh, Friday and as I was visiting the doctor, you, you fill out information about yourself, and I filled out the information, occupation, pastor, and the receptionist says, oh, you're a pastor. Usually I don't like people to know I'm a pastor because they start looking at me really weird, or it usually shuts down conversation. And, but she says, oh, you're a pastor. She, she said, I'm a, I'm a new Christian. And uh, she was real excited about her faith. She says, yeah, I am being discipled by someone. So that was her word. She says, I am being discipled. And she said, I meet up with another person, and she is speaking truth into me, and she's learning, helping me to learn the scriptures, and I'm just finding my way. And she said, I became a Christian years before. So this woman is probably midlife. She says, I became a Christian a long time ago. I got saved a long time ago, she said. But I just strayed away because I never had someone to show me the way. And friends, all of us need other people, especially uh, when we're just learning this life, this pathway. We need other people to help us and to guide us on the way. But the question is, well, how do you find that person and what are the qualifications you look for? So Jesus talks to this, he speaks to this when he says, Beware of false prophets, or beware of people that claim to speak for God, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered by thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Um, I was in the gym the other day. Yeah, I I do work out. And uh, I was at the Meyer Center, and uh, I noticed this photo of Gretchen, and she's... uh, advertising her wares uh, as a personal coach, a training coach. and She's got her qualifications. She's listing there on how uh, she can help you meet your goals and what she will do for you. Well, how do you choose a spiritual coach? Or how do you know what pastor to follow or what teacher to follow or who to read? Or how do you know that someone is really Guiding and directing in the way of Jesus. And Jesus has just been speaking to that. He says, you'll know them by their fruit. You'll know them by their character. You you check out their life. If If possible, you get to know them. If they're married, how do they how do they treat their spouse? They've got parents, most people do, uh, but not all. How how do they treat people in their family, their kids? Um, Who's following them, or, or what is it they're about? Is there a sense of goodness that just flows out of them? Is it all about them? Are they the center of attention? Or are they really there to glorify God? Do they remind you of Jesus? Is there a sense of humility about them? A humility where they bend the knee to glorify God and when they have a sense of we need that humility, I think K.J. demonstrated a moment ago when he talked about making a confession um, It's not that they're perfect, but you're saying, you know, I just wasn't centered. I wasn't ready yet. But I want to follow someone that is so honest about their own struggles and their own realities and when they mess up, but they have a humility that centers them and keeps them centered on God. Those are some of the characteristics, right, that you look for in the fruit of a person's life. And, you know, we can always go with the woo factor. We can always go with the drama. We can always go with the charismatic, highly prized individual. And, by golly, sometimes that's fine. They're on target. But that's not the criteria to go by. Not according to Jesus. Personally, I like to go with someone that's got a little bit of a track record. What's their life been like? What do you see? How have they left people in their path that's followed them? Well, Jesus goes on to talk more and more about what you look for when he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's always bothered me. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. According to Jesus, you know, people, even groups of people, can be led astray. Whole groupings of people can get toxic and we can get too rigid or some people can be doing these great mighty things for God and yet God is not in it God never asked them to do it it's really showy on the outside but inwardly there's not much there where's the substance in this person's life Billy Graham left us this week. Some of you knew him as just an older man. Some of us remember him as the young evangelist, but for seven decades, this guy preached the gospel. He was the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. He had the greatest impact on the world through his preaching. He was not simply a great evangelist, He was a great prophet, and he became America's pastor. He was this amazing combination of prophet and pastor and evangelist, all the while being one of the most humble persons you could ever meet. He could speak to presidents, and he did. When Richard Nixon and his Watergate stuff was going on, one person who stayed with him was Billy Graham. He says, you know, to criticism, he says, I am going to be praying with this man. He wasn't someone that would walk out of the room when everybody else was. When Ronald Reagan was shot, who did the president call from his hospital bed? Billy Graham. When the Clintons were going through their very public revelation of Bill's indiscretions as president. Bill and Hillary both spoke about how it was Billy Graham that spoke into their life and got them centered. When George W. Bush was struggling with alcoholism, he said the guy that set me free, his words that met the most and opened up my heart to Jesus was a personal word from Billy Graham. So he demonstrates how you can be this great public figure, you can be this great evangelist, great speaker, but, you know, being a prophet, sometimes it's, it's that one-on-one. Someone is talking to us in a personal way. So... Who is that person for you? How do we find those individuals in our life where we're wanting to develop our faith? We've got to create a framework of faith. We don't want to be too rigid. You know, we don't want to be a part of a community where it's just so toxic and so legalistic. I mean, who wants that? Who wants a dead orthodoxy where you believe all the right things, maybe? But you don't have a living faith. You don't love people. But who wants to be a part of something that's just so willy nilly? <laughs> it doesn't challenge, and it's anything goes. We want to be a part of a community and a faith where, and here is the way. Let's walk in this together. I had that guy at a particular time in my life. I was in my 20s. I was 21 years of age. In fact, I was in college. And there was a little, little old man. I just him a little old man. He was a retired Methodist preacher from Iowa in Higby, Missouri. And I was at Central Methodist College. And I was learning all these amazing things about scholarship lower criticism, higher criticism, modern criticism, all about the German theologians. It was quite a heady experience, and I was going through this college years in which everybody just kind of does whatever you want to do, and you think what you want to think, and, and I, I had this guy, Brother Fitz, in his 70s. He and his wife, Halda were retired. He built this house out in the country. It, he was a horrible carpenter. The place was about to fall down as he was building it, I mean, you would stay there overnight, and when the furnace kicked in, you would think the noise would raise the dead. Uh, But Brother Fitz spoke into my life, and he reminded me that this is not just some heady experience. He introduced me to the devotional classics. He introduced me to the devotional life. And it wasn't so much about what he taught or what he knew, but who he knew. This guy knew Jesus. And for nine months, just nine months in my life, he was there. Then I graduated and went on. But over 40 years ago, I know it was who he was at the time in which I needed him that he helped me on this life of discipleship. To stay centered and to keep going deeper. That's what we need in our lives. Who's that person for you? There's an old saying that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. So it's not, it's not just something that can be structured, it's not something that can just be laid on you. Although we are about trying to create an atmosphere and a culture at Schweitzer where sure that can happen, but it's, it can oftentimes be organic. But it's when you begin to pray for that and want that and desire that that Brother Fitz's kind of begin to show up just when you need them. And we want to be that also, don't we? For other people. It's not like it's, okay, I'm receiving and I was a pastor, a 21-year-old pastor when Brother Fitz was mentoring me. So, There's a lot of dynamics at work on this life of discipleship. At Schweitzer, we we have what we call circles, a discipleship plan. And we believe that everyone should be a part of classes that we need to be growing and learning. It can be a Sunday school class of any age. It can be Bible studies during the week. It can be the class that I'm leading on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, going deeper in faith. But we need to be receiving input. We need that interplay, that dynamic at work with other people. And then covenant discipleship groups is is something that we've created in the past year in which six or eight people can get together and create their own covenant. This is the way that we are living out as the disciple of Jesus right now. And we talk through that and we look through the covenant together. And this is how I'm living my life. How are you living your life? Are you following the covenant? Are you doing this spiritual practice? And it may sound like, man, that's awfully rigid, but... No, it's, it's life-giving. It's, it's like, I've decided to follow Jesus. It helps me to stay on the path. So how is that, and how can that be working for you? We'll be talking more in the coming weeks about bands and spiritual guides. Well, Jesus went on, and Jesus said these words. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, notice the connection, not just someone that hears, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Well, we've sure had our rain this week, haven't we? (laughs) And the wind sure blew last night. And Jesus does not say, if this happens in your life, He says when the rain comes, when the wind blows, when the storms come, there's two different lives that's going to experience that. He could not make the contrast ever clear that those who build their life on my words and my life and my teaching and in relationship with me are wise, and those who choose this other path are foolish, there's a a way in which you can build your life that's rock solid, come what may, you're going to stand, and there's some, it's shifting sand, some are able to stand up to what happens, and some, some fall. You and I are living in a crazy world. I, have, I don't have it figured out at all. There are so many things happening, and there's so much information. There's so many different things that you can choose to believe, and so many different practices and values you can adopt. But what keeps me centered are the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And continuing to live forward into the teachings of Jesus. And there's times when I just get fuzzy and I don't hear from God very well. And I need other people then that I've built these relationships with that helps me. Because they're not perfect, but they love Jesus and they're hearing from Jesus. And they're walking with Jesus. And those who have those kinds of relationships and those who have that kind of heart, they just haven't found the narrow gate. They're walking the narrow path. And the narrow path isn't rigid. It's not like it's legalistic. But it is hard. It's hard. But it is worth it because it is life. So where are you in your relationship today? Where are you in in your relationship as as a follower of Jesus? Have have you found the gate? Are you walking the path? And if you have, are are you helping others to help find that path and stay on that path? And are you taking advantage of, of all the opportunities that we offer here at Schweitzer in helping you and helping each other to stay on this path that leads to life.